Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Things that we want to do as a church is we want to be able to talk about tough topics. We want to bring things into the light, even if we're not used to that, uh, even if uh, it's a little different than we normally do. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about depression, mental health, anxiety. And, uh, and the reason we're going to do that is because uh, it's a big issue that people are dealing with. Uh, did you know that we're talking about the world's number one health problem? Uh, it causes more deaths each year than cancer. It's the leading cause of people having disability. Uh, one out of every nine people in America or are currently on some type of depression medication. Uh, one out of five have been on medication at some point. And uh, this, is, this is fascinating that over the last decade, antidepressant use has gone up 300%. And sadly, far too many people are choosing to deal with their depression and their anxiety by ending their life. In fact, the age group that is the uh, fastest growing uh, for suicide is ages 10 to 14. And the number one cause of death between people ages 14 and 24 is suicide. We've got to talk about this. We've got to address it. We need to look to God's word. We need to help each other look to the Lord for answers, right? And so the reality is that no matter who we are, no matter where we live, no matter what our background is, our ethnicity, our education, uh, our current financial situation, how many know depression does not discriminate uh, with people? One study I read uh, said that 50%, 50 of adults will struggle with some form of depression in their lifetime. Uh, in our 9 o'clock service before this, for those who filled out electronic connection cards, there's a place for them to mark uh, that, hey, I struggle with depression or anxiety, or some form of mental health illness. 37% of those who turned in that card marked that box. So this is not them or those people out there. This is us. This is our family. This is our church. This is our community. This, these are our friends. And we really want our church to be like a hospital. We want to we be the place where we come together and find hope and healing and hurting. Now, sadly, a lot of people don't see the church that way. As a matter of fact, Ed Stetzer from Lifeway said this, that only 21% of people who attend church once a week or believe, 21% uh, of people who attend church once a week or more believe most churches would welcome them if they had a mental health issue. So what he's saying is that 80% of people who are struggling with mental health think that they can't go to the church for help. We've got to change that. 
And so that's what this is about today. And so, uh, and I think the, the big thing that we want, I want to share with you and to encourage you is that this is the big idea for today is that you're not alone. As a matter of fact, there are some pretty famous people in the Bible who struggled with despair and depression. Let me, let me show you just a few, a few of them. Uh, in Lamentations, this is the prophet Jeremiah who wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the way. I have been deprived of peace and have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, my bitterness and gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. A prophet said that. The apostle Paul said this, we don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. Uh, and come back to Elijah here in just a second, but here's another prophet in the Old Testament, Jonah. He said, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And then the psalmist in Psalm 88, you have taken from me friend and neighbor, and I wonder how many people identify with this statement, darkness is my closest friend. Uh, and then in Job chapter 3, Job says, why wasn't I born dead? Now, if prophets and apostles and people who wrote the Bible have struggled with this, it's okay that you do too. And, and I think the primary thing we want you to take away from this first service in this series is you are not alone in your struggle. And you don't have to be alone. And we're, and we're begging you, challenging you, encouraging you, don't walk through this alone. Let's do this together. We're going to spend a, a lot of time in the next few weeks talking about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, and, and that's where the title of the series comes from, Out of the Cave, and you'll see why, because here's Elijah. He has this incredible experience, Battle of the Prophets. If you haven't read 1 Kings 18, it's better than any uh, any movie. I mean, it's amazing, okay? Fire comes out from heaven. It's awesome. But then Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So I want you to notice that Elijah has been intimidated, threatened. He's afraid. Even prophets get afraid. Do you see the humanness here? But now he's by himself. He's all alone. And he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then later on in the verse, he says, I alone am left. Can I tell you that when you end up in a cave, uh, you're, you, you begin to think things, you begin to hear things, you begin to feel things that may or may not necessarily be true. And so we got to get out of the cave, right? 
and step into the light of God's love, God's word, the truth that sets us free. And so that's what we're talking about here today. Now you say, well, wh wh why does this apply to me? Well, guess what? 2020 happened. 2021 happened. So add to all of these issues that we're dealing with, how about a worldwide pandemic and the fear of all of that? Let's do social unrest, uh, racial unrest. We've got uncertainty about the government. We've got vaccine arguments. We've got mandates from schools about wearing masks and then school boards erupting and being canceled because of uh, people's reaction to all of that. You've got uncertainty about our country's future. Oh, by the way, screen time is way up. We're looking at screens way more than we should. And then remember to social distance. So what we've created is this toxic elixir where people, more people are experiencing depression and anxiety than ever before, and many people are experiencing it for the first time. So we believe God's word can help. We believe Jesus can help, and we're here to help you today. And so I've invited a panel of people to join me uh, for this part of the message today uh, because the primary uh, idea we want you to walk away with today is that you are not alone. So uh, there's a book by the title Out of the Cave that we'd like to give to everybody who's here as a guest today. And uh, I gave this book to uh, some people in our church that I know that uh, depression, anxiety, mental health is part of their story. And, and, and I started out with just, would you read this book? And uh, this is where it ended up. So whenever I ask you to do something, remember, it's, it's up to Jesus to, never mind, then anyway. Uh, but I'm so glad as we began to talk about this, this was a real huge part of the conversation. People have to know they're not alone. And so as we were talking, I said, well, would you guys be willing to help me say this? And they all said yes. And I want to encourage you, would you let them know how big a deal it is that they're up here today and how much you appreciate them doing that? It's a big deal. So we got Andrea. Emily, this is Joel, and uh, he is a uh, mental health professional, and so we've got a professional up here. This is Andrea, and this is Tony. All but Joel are from our church, and so these are real people. They're not preachers. Real people. Right, not fake. Not actors. Not theologians. Not preachers. Just people like us with stories. So let's, let's start the conversation, if, if that's okay. So let's start with this one thought. You are not alone. Joel, would you uh, talk about what are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not sure. You have such a deep I'll start voice. Now. <laughs> I, I don't know. Should I try this one? Hello? This one? Hello? Hello? That one? Hello? Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. Take five. Hello? Hello? This one? Test. Okay. Is that better? Yes. First of all, thank you for inviting me to be here. Uh, I have such a passion to see the church engage in the conversation of mental health because it's so important, because the amount of people that wrestle with this issue in all the different forms that it exists in. And so you are not alone, and I can tell you that because I see people from all walks of life, all demographics, all professions, all, I mean, 
even, it has nothing to do with you being weak. It has nothing to do with you being anything. It is just, it's just prevalent within all aspects of society, and there's not one group that is exempt from it. Um, I think it's important that when we're talking about you are not alone, I think it's so important for you to know that in order to not be alone, you have to speak it. You have to get out of that darkness. You have to bring your issue, your struggle, your battle into the light where you can find other people that have struggled and warred with the same thing. Um, you're gonna need those people. I use the analogy in the first service, if you remember back to like preschool and first grade, your teachers would say, we're going on a field trip, everyone needs to wear the same colored shirt so we can find you. You need to be able to have your field trip buddies with you. You need to be able to have the people that you know have struggled as well so that when you're in that cave, when you're battling, you can find your people quickly to help you get out. Good. I want you guys. <laughs> there it is. There it is. This is a joke from first service. People with anxiety, they don't let the mics work. Like, really? Okay. Right. I forgive you. Kind of. Okay. Um, when I was first diagnosed with a mental illness, I felt desperately alone. I didn't feel alone from Christ. Christ was with me, I didn't doubt that. I knew him, I loved him, he loved me, we were solid. I felt isolated from humans. I didn't feel right, I didn't act right, I felt alone. People online and you guys in this audience right now, I know some of you feel the same way. I could fake it too, I know some of you guys are faking it, master fakers. Kudos to you guys but you don't have to. You're not alone. If you feel alone, reach out. Andrea Cockrum on Facebook, I'm available. But for, for truth and for healing, you're not alone and you're in the right church to not be alone. Because what other church in this area is talking about depression today? I don't know of one. You're at the right church to no longer be alone. Good news is there are a lot more talking about it now. And when uh, uh, we haven't really done a good job in the past talking about it, but we want to do a better job now. And when it comes to being you're not alone, uh, the bigger issue is we don't want people to struggle alone. We don't want you to face this alone. It's so important to talk about your struggle, to get support. And, and Tony, you and I talked about this particularly for guys. It's hard to admit it right, that, that we're struggling. Can you address that? Yeah, um, you know, we have to have it all together. We've gotta provide and protect, and when we mess that up, we're incredibly ashamed of it. Um, and so the last thing we really wanna do is admit that there's an issue, uh, even when you know it, you know something's wrong. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal that we as men start to feel a little less of a stigma re, you know, revolving around all of this and start to feel a little bit more like we're actually sharing a health issue, you know? Like, I've had lots of guys tell me that they just had a colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really wanna know that, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, why can't we share this? We're dealing with, we're dealing with our brain. You know, so 
It's a very similar thing, and we need to feel a little less uncomfortable sharing those kinds of things. And a big part of being alone is there's a stigma attached to mental health, depression, anxiety. Well, we also know that depression is a, is a word that is an umbrella for a lot of things that people deal with, all the way from clinically diagnosed uh, depression to you know, something else. But let's talk about the shame and the stigma uh, that comes with it, especially when it comes to shame, because that's what a lot of people who struggle with deal with the shame of that. Emily, would you uh, speak to that? Yeah. Um, so I think when I think about the shame that I have felt, um, a lot of it stems from feeling broken. And I know that that's one of our points to talk about, but. Um, Let's go ahead. There it is. Is You're it not the broken. next one? Yeah. I can never remember. Um, yeah, be, uh, feeling broken, but recognizing that I am deserving of counseling or I'm deserving of medicine if that's what I need. I'm deserving of reaching out to someone. Um, kind of just shifting your mindset from I'm broken to I deserve this because I'm a person um, is kind of how I've had to look at it. And I know we'll get to identity, but a lot of that stems from identity, the shame of, of that, the thought spiral. I know last service we talked about the thought spiral. Um, and, and not seeing myself as broken, but seeing myself as someone who's being made whole um, and someone who's deserving of those things. Yeah. Joel, what are you seeing in your practice, uh, the shame part of it, the stigma part of it? Yeah, I mean, most people, uh, there's a, well, the, the large majority say, and they look back and they think about well, all the things that they did wrong that caused this. And I can tell you right now that the science behind it, and we're learning more about the brain as we go along. And when it comes to the brain, we know about this much. It's such a complex organ that uh, when, we, when we talk about shame and we talk about the origin of it is not you. And when we look at mental health and a lot of these issues that people face, we see how stress and trauma and all these other factors affect the chemical uh, uh, composition of the brain and how that changes things. Like it's just not you. And so shame is when we begin to think, and, I, and many people that I see come in and just, it, it causes it to be more complex because they felt like they did something wrong or they're not doing enough right or they're not trying hard enough or they're not praying hard enough or they're not doing this and this and this. And it causes this layer of anxiety on top of their anxiety. And it's difficult to try to unravel that. So if we can cut that layer off and just say, look, it's not you. Hey, Joel, yeah. just real quick intercession here, um, interruption. What caused my PTSD was a catastrophic traffic event 13 years ago. Five of us were involved, five best friends. Two of us ended up with mental health struggles afterwards. Three of us didn't. We were all in the same accident. We all had similar injuries. We all saw the similar things. Some, it's just in the cards for some of us. One of the things you talked about, Andrea, was how powerful a freedom group uh, was to you in dealing with the shame of addressing mental health. So freedom group is one of our small groups. We hope everybody uh, participates in one time, but talk about how important that was to you specifically as it relates to shame. Happily, I will do so. Um, mental health journeys, sometimes end up with an individual doing something that they deeply regret. Uh, I am in that category. Uh, embarrassing things that you would never do if you were healthy, ever, ever come close to doing. Um, and 
that happened to me before I was diagnosed and getting treatment about 12-ish years ago. And I carried shame of that event for years. The shame from that compounded the shame of having a mental health illness. Um, I finally put on my big girl shoes and went to a freedom group because God pretty much said, idiot Andrea, get into a freedom group. You're hurting yourself if you don't. And I'm like, oh, okay, I will go. I've had, I'm on, I have been in therapy for 13 years with a great therapist. I'm on medication, great doctors. The freedom class was the best singular event I have done in my journey to get healthy. Amen, like, come on, give me some, right? I laid my shame aside after that freedom group. I laid, it, I laid the shame from what I did aside. My family had forgiven me years and years and years ago. I could not forgive myself. Yeah. And I know some of you guys have the same shame. Freedom Group is calling your name. Good, awesome. Now, a uh, part of the shame uh, and the reason why Freedom Groups are so powerful is it teaches us to identify the lies mm -hmm. that the enemy uses against us and replace it with the truth. And so one of the lies uh, about pe people struggle with, with mental health is I'm a burden. You know, I'm a burden to people or, uh, about me or, or I'm broken and so, Emily, can you address uh, that thought there, Th uh, that struggle, that lie? Yeah. Um, so um, the last service got way too much information about my life. Basically, <laughs> I, I grew up here. Um, so if you've been around Grace a while, you probably knew me in my awkward middle school stage. Hey. So you grew um, up in the church. I grew up in the church uh, with a supportive family, a loving, amazing family. Um, Something that I didn't say last service that I was like, oh my gosh, I should probably say that. My family, I have, there are no um, mental health struggles in my family. So I was never exposed to that um, as a child. And so um, I went through a trauma um, as a child and um, really isolated myself and felt that, like, that was my, I felt like that was my identity. You're a burden. There are people that have it so much worse. You can't tell anyone about this. Um, and so it really came to a head when I went to college. I um, was in college, a totally new place, was playing a sport, was working, had all of my classes and all of that, and my mental health just plummeted. Um, and it, it got to a point where I had to go to um, counseling. I had to get on medicine. I had to reach out to my family and, and ask for that support. And I had to realize within myself, like, I'm not a burden. My, my mom is my point person. She wants to shoulder that with me. Joel, you had a really great analogy um, last service, if you want to touch on that. But I just really, that, I felt like that spoke to me a lot because I, that was my identity, was that I am a burden to my family. Um, do you want to touch on that analogy? Unless you just want to tell them what you no. remember. Okay. <laughs> no, you uh, got it. But a lot of times when we're experiencing so much and you've been carrying something for a very long time, it's just, it's so heavy. Like it, when it's within you and it's your struggle, like it's so heavy. And so to think about unloading it onto somebody else almost seems unloving because you think that you're going to give them the extent of what you're carrying. But if we look at it differently, what's actually going to take place here is if you go to somebody that you trust, you are not putting the burden that's on your shoulders on their shoulders. You're just putting the burden that's on you and you're just putting it in between you. And you're both able to look at it together. Real quick. Our church does great at giving dinners, right? Uh, we do great. Have a baby, you get dinner. You get a mental health diagnosis, 
Sorry, but you don't get dinners. Maybe you should. <laughs> Sounds like a ministry somebody should start. Yeah. I can't cook, but yeah. I'll organize. Depression pizza night. That's good. Anxiety Let's and go. Jody's. All right. We'll take an offering for all the DoorDash uh, orders here later. All right. Um, where did these statements come from? It came from this discussion. Because I asked each one of these, what do people need to know from the church uh, from us here today? And so it, that you're not alone, uh, you're not a burden. This was a big one. People need to hear, it's not a sin to be sick. Let's talk about that, whoever would like to go. It's not a sin to be sick. Yes. You know, it's difficult to kind of keep going with this because the answer is, I'm so glad that this church is saying this. Because historically, there has been such a, a connect within our minds between mental health and spiritual health. And if you're not doing well in this, like, uh, you know, you'll use scriptures like the joy of the Lord is your strength or worry about nothing. And if you felt like you were failing in that, then somehow it's a reflection on your spiritual health. But the truth is, it's just not a sin to be sick any more than if you're going through a physical health uh, a crisis or issue. Same with mental health. It's the same. It is, it, it is different than spiritual health. And, and we need to see it that way as we support people within our community. I think we, we've grown up. If you've grown up in the church, you hear things like um, pray harder, pray it away, um, get in the word more. Are you in the word enough? And truth be told, when you're in this, um, when you're in this darkness, you are praying. You are, you are so desperate to feel well. You are so desperate to be healthy that you are praying, you are seeking, you are crying out, you are reading, you are listening to worship music. Um, you're so desperate to be well, you'll do anything, right? So it's not a spiritual, sometimes it can be, but most of the time I think for Christians, it's not a spiritual issue, it's a chemical imbalance or it's a trauma-related incident um, that has brought this on. And if we just, I, I love that he has this, it's in black and white, right? It's not a sin to be sick, it's not. The so, Bible has a lot of remedies to get us out of depression that we need to dive into. Right. And we need to focus on that as putting tools in our tool belt, as Andrea B. says so often. And one, that's actually next week's message is physically, mentally, uh, and spiritually, what's the way out of the K? So thanks for setting that up. That was really good. So if somebody came forward for prayer, and we do that a lot around here, hey, I'm sick, you know, I've got this disease or this issue, that prayer person's not gonna say, okay, tell me what sin caused this, you know? That is gold. No, that's not, that's not what we're going to do. And, and we're not going to do that either with mental health either. So it's not a sin uh, to be sick. So uh, you didn't bring it on yourself. Uh, that, that's what people wanted to say. You are loved by God unconditionally. So Romans 8, right? 38. Uh, neither height nor depth nor principalities or powers. Help me, J.B. Keeler. All right, national lever junior Bible quiz right there. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus. Now, that's true, uh, but we don't always feel that way, do we? Yeah. Um, it's so funny. It's fitting that I was in JBQ and learned that, that right. verse. Um, a plug for that because there, I do remember the verse. I just get nervous in front of everyone. Like, <laughs> I messed up John 3.16 really? in front of the church with you. I don't when remember. I was in like fifth grade or something. Anyway, okay. so I don't want to quote it because I would mess it up. But yes, uh, remembering that has been, has been um, hard for me. But I think it kind of goes into identity, um, making that my identity. I was praying with um, a, girl, a, a lady um, after first service and she was just saying, I just don't believe I just believe lies. That's all I, he I hear. Um, and making it kind of, um, making your identity in Christ and saying, um, instead of um, instead of my healing is gonna come and I'm never gonna struggle with this anymore, it's turning from that and moving toward um, my healing is restoration every day. He's gonna restore me every day. He's gonna make, make me new every day. And having that prayer be there. And I told um, the lady that I was praying with, um, something, if you're struggling with this, the thought spirals and things like that, I put it around mirrors. Um, I put um, something on my dash, like I just wrote out a verse or I wrote out an affirmation, I put it on my dashboard. Um, something that's just really practical that will help you believe that God loves you unconditionally because you know that. I mean, I, I hope you know that. My prayer is that you know that. I know that, but you don't believe that when you're in those thought spirals, when you're in the thick of it, so. And you can't trust your emotions. You can't even trust your feelings. You gotta stand on the truth that God does love us unconditionally. All right, so here's some things we want that everyone wanted you to hear. There are people around you who not only care, but understand. Talk to them. It's not a sin to go see a counselor. Uh, it's not a sin to confess that you're struggling. That's, people want to hear that. And again, I, I just want you to know uh, we all wanna be that church, don't we? I said we all want to be that church, don't we? Yes. That people around us know that they can talk to us. Um, your illness is not your identity. That's not who you are. And so I think our verbiage and our language, we have to be careful. Like, you know, this is me. No, this is not me. This is, this is what I struggle with. And th there's a difference there. Medication's not evil. It's not bad, right? Uh, if it were, take the aspirin out of your, uh, <laughs> right? So uh, that is important. You can do this. Uh, you really can. Uh, don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, you can do this. We're in this together, and God's going to help us. I wanted to get to this one as quickly as I could uh, because I, I thought our conversation about this was so powerful, that there's purpose in your pain. And, and Andrea, you were saying it, that uh, the best moments that you had when you were dealing with depression was helping somebody else with their depression. It is. Um, for those of you guys who are struggling with depression or starting your journey or in the middle of your journey, at some point in your journey, if you haven't tried being a servant or being other-oriented, I strongly encourage you to try that. Um, I took that on as what in the industry we'd call a coping mechanism. In the church, we call it servant, a servant's heart. Right. Call it what you want, I don't care. All that I know is when I would volunteer or spend my time serving others, my mental health issue was the last thing on my mind. Wow. I was fully, complete, healthy, like alive 
for a large part of my journey, I've homeschooled five kids. They were my other oriented people. I had to pour into them. I got to pour into them. It took my PTSD, anxiety, and depression and threw it back at the enemy's face because he doesn't want you helping other people. Right. One of the best things also is when I am transparent and authentic on Facebook about depression, I am inundated with PMs about what do I do, how can I help, what doctors do I go to. I eat up every second because those people think I'm helping them. Those people are helping me because I'm helping them and it's pushing my depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever you want to call it, back in the background where it needs to stay, not in my foreground. So I encourage you to get out there and have a servant's heart, volunteer, whatever you can think of. Just get out of your brain, get out of your environment and help. Wow. That's good preaching. You're welcome. Um, so purpose in the pain. I, um, when I was really, really sick, I sought out some friends here at church that had a prayer ministry and I went to them and just asked them to pray over me. And in that prayer meeting, she said something that I just carry with me still to this day. She said, God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. And I'd heard that before, but in that moment, I thought, I'm gonna hold on to that. And here I sit, right? Hopefully um, encouraging someone, but also little did I know, it was nowhere on my radar. Um, God had plans for me to start teaching high school health at a local Christian high school where I now teach 15 and 16 year olds health. And um, in my health class, we spend about three to four weeks each semester on mental health. Um, so pretty cool to see that. But I also want to say really quick, when I was down and battling really hard, um, purpose and pain, I knew that Andrea was struggling too, but I had reached out to her and said, I, I, I'm really, really bad, really bad, really sick right now. And she said to me, um, serving, again, getting out of you know her struggle at the moment, but she said to me, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yes, you did say that. You look confused, but you did. And I have used I that. I've used that so many times when I'm just overwhelmed or I'm really, really down. It's how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One step at a time. One step at a time, which I'm sure you'll get to that too. But yeah. Yeah. Good. Go, Joel. And I want to encourage you, even if you can't find the purpose in your pain, there is hope for purpose after your pain. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about next steps. What what are the what is the takeaway from today? What's what's the one thing that we want everybody uh, to do as a result of today? One thing. Yeah. Reach out. It's okay. Reach out to someone you trust. Don't carry it alone. You don't have to be alone. This is a hard thing to carry alone. Right. Don't do it. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Yeah. Tell somebody. Um, as a supporter, um, go to that person and say, I see you. Your feelings are valid. I just want to sit with you. Do you need some water? Um, 
my best friend would always know when I would have a panic attack because she'd be like, Emily, I can see it in your eyes. What do you need? And I'm like, I don't know. And then by the end of when, uh, by the end of college, she had been with me for so long that it became, she knew what I needed. You guys know what that person needs in your life without even, I mean, you know that person. Maybe it's not water. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe they do need to talk. For me, I just need to sit there. Yeah. Um, know what your people need if you're a supporter. And if you're that person, reach out. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me to reach out. And if that is simply taking a step today and marking on your connection card, hey, this is my struggle. For some, that's a huge step to simply say, this, this is what I'm struggling with. And of course, if you do that, you can do it anonymously or you can, you can do it with your name, it's whatever you want. But I want you to know that we'll, we will be praying for you, all of us. And uh, as a church, we'll be praying for you. And, and that's so important. Uh, let's pray. I want you to pray, Andrea, for everybody that's online watching this. Maybe they just, you know, floated across YouTube or, or Facebook. But all these that's people That's not a float. Too. That's a God moment. There we go. Let's, pr let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are. Transparent, authentic. You know our thoughts. You know our deeds. We love you with a mighty, mighty rush of love that you cannot stop, Father God. Nothing can stop it. We want to be the creations that you envision us to be, but we are living in a fallen world, Father God, and you know that. You know the fights that we have in our deepest, darkest moments. Father God, I ask you right now to come alongside those in a deep, dark situation inside a cave who are feeling lonely and isolated. Father God, right now, be with them. Yes. encompass them, give them a warmth, give them a peace, give them a person. Father God, they are not alone. You are with everyone. Let them know that truth right this very instant, wherever they may be. In this room, online, or watching this sermon two years from now, on YouTube, Father God, be with the people who are alone. We need you. We cannot do this fight without you. Yes. We must, we must, we must have your intervention. Thank you, Lord, for the support team you've given the people who struggle. They are priceless. Give our support teams energy. Give them extra love. Give them an extra dose of favor for all they do for us and the, for those of us who have a mental health struggle and they come alongside of us and support us daily. Father God, we know you have this. Without a doubt, you have this. We give the whole entire situation to you. Guide this church that we can be a light to this community, to this state, to this nation. Let Ripple's effect happen from this very service that can only come from your power being in this room right now, having this moment designated as your moment. We give it to you, Father God, in your name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.